Hi, hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, and those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is based on one particular idea. It began for me when a pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That led me on a deep dive into the history of my faith, the history of the Bible, the biblical canon, up into the Reformation and beyond, asking the question about why I believed what I believed and why others believed differently. And it was then that for the very first time I began to read from Catholic sources and ask kind of Catholic-y questions. I realized then that what I thought I knew about the Catholics and the Catholic Church was based in large part on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, I am joined by my good friend, Keith Nestor, Catholic convert, former Protestant pastor, to unpack some of these questions, the pitfalls for new Catholic converts. Picture it this way, you are a Catholic convert on fire for the faith or nearly on the doorstep, quite literally sometimes, of the Catholic Church, go to your first Mass and things just fall flat on their face. <laughs> the things you thought you'd experience, the, the reverence, the beauty, these things you thought were in the Mass, uh, they're just not there. There's a bad sound system, awful worship, terrible homily, and a complete lack of reverence for the sacrament, for the Eucharist, for Christ in the Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament. What do you do? Well, this episode, we unpack those kinds of things, things that you may encounter that Keith and I encountered as Catholic converts when you join the church and how you handle and deal with those things. You talk about bringing children to mass, uh, liturgy, uh, music, Bible studies, fellowship, discipleship, youth groups, all kinds of things that you take for granted sometimes as a Protestant Christian that look different for very different reasons in the Catholic faith and how you unpack it, understand all of that. And really, at the end of the day, what really matters in the Catholic conversion process? What's at the heart of, the, of all of this to begin with? It's, I think, a great, honest, earnest, thoughtful, really uh, good, meaty conversation about real things that you might, as a Catholic convert, experience when you hit the ground running. I hope you enjoy it. This conversation and all others are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. If you want to help support the show, look in the show notes and find those links and check out the ways you can do that to help keep this thing going and growing week after week. And thanks to those who are already faithfully supporting the show and this ministry, this whole thing. Thank you guys. It's amazing. And now, without any further ado, my conversation on the pitfalls for new Catholic converts with my good friend, Keith Nestor. He knows all about this stuff. <laughs> it's a great conversation, guys. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, uh, please leave a rating or review where you find the podcast. The, those reviews help to push the podcast out to new listeners and grow the, the the scope of this thing here. So thank you for those ratings and reviews. And thanks for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, hi, thanks guys. Thanks for watching and subscribe and uh, hit the bell. Do all those fun things. Troll us down in the comments. That'd be awesome as well. 
Uh, I am joined this week by a familiar face this show, and I'm sure many of you, all of you, obviously know who I'm talking to this week. It's uh, my good friend Keith Nestor. He is a former Protestant pastor, spent over 20 years in ministry. He's the author of some fantastic books, including The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church, and Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary, Connecting the Spiritual Fruits to Your Daily Life. He is the host of the Catholic Feedback Podcast. Uh, he is... Uh, the, the the head of the Rosary Army? Uh, no. <laughs> the Rosary Crew. I did this last time, too. The same thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. The Rosary Crew. They're not an army. They're a crew. That's kind of nicer. That's more Canadian. It's definitely nicer. And uh, has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, Keith, welcome back to the show. Thanks hey, brother. Here. How you doing, man? It's good to be here. One of these days, uh, Kev, I'm going to get the name of your uh, ministries right. I promise you. Uh, and uh, there's too many things I have. There are. You know what? You do. You do. Yeah. You do. It's fantastic stuff, though. Uh, but first and foremost, you, Keith, are a convert to the Catholic faith. That's, that's where I first met you and your amazing conversion story. I'm a convert, too. And hearing your story, for me, was my story reflected in, in yours in many ways, right? We find that we have ideas of the Catholic Church. We have the misconception of the Catholic Church. We approach it. We begin reading or studying or looking into it and realize it's different than we think that it is. And, and we're drawn in by the beauty of the Catholic Church. But sometimes what happens is what we think the Catholic Church is, so our, our ideas of what it is as we approach it, the beauty of the Mass, the reverence of the liturgy, uh, the, the depth that Catholics look into to the Scripture and tradition and hold these things in tandem, uh, the the beauty of, of Gregorian chant or organ music and these uh, lots of devotions that they have in the Catholic Church, the Rosary, the Divine Mercy Chapel, the Scapulars, the Divine Office, all these things look awesome from the outside, uh, but you become Catholic, and <laughs> sometimes it's a bit different, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking, we're, we're, our conversation today is that, I think, is, is, is that idea that some of the expectations, the things you think are going to happen or how things will look as you become Catholic sometimes fall flat on their face when you actually begin to practice the faith. And this episode, I think, is going to serve, I hope, that we can do this with some levity, some humor, some, some charity, and a bit of spice to talk about the, those things, right, that we might encounter, or we encountered, other comers might encounter as they actually become Catholic, begin practicing the Catholic faith on the ground versus the kind of high-eyed version of what they think Catholic Church might, might be. We're going to unpack uh, some of those experiences uh, to help equip people to, to make that transition and... Uh, uh, soften the blow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Keith. I, I I think for me when I think of this, uh, my first experience of, of that actually, where this first came up actually, and I, th- I mentioned this thing to you before on, on the show, Keith, is as I was becoming Catholic and beginning to you know go to mass and go to RCIA and actually be in a Catholic church and meet Catholic people, I wrote an article called "What Sucks About the Catholic Church," and it was very, <laughs> it was. Intended to be controversial, to to get people to click on it and engage with it and kind of like, okay, what's this guy going to say? I, I want to, and then realize in the end, my conclusion was, well, yeah, I suck. Like I'm, like, I'm part of the problem. How can I be better, first of all, and then fix other things, right? That was kind of the intention. That was kind of the, the twist, the M. Night Shyamalan twist ending of the article, right? But that got me my first kind of coverage on Catholic TV. I was on a few episodes, a few different uh, interviews with different people, and uh, I got a little gig writing a couple articles for a uh, Catholic newspaper. 
up here in Canada. And that was the genesis of some of that original buzz was this spicy article about what sucks about the Catholic Church. Tell me your first encounter, maybe, and then we can kind of unpack different things. But your the, the first memory that you have, uh, Keith, of going into the Catholic Church with an idea in the back of your head or idea and then encountering something a bit different and having to go, whoa, okay, I need to adjust this or or prayerfully consider what I had misunderstood or something. Does that, that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks of all. Th- first of all, thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be yeah. back. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think this is an interesting topic because especially as converts who we had misconceptions that kept us away from the Catholic church. And then we become Catholic, maybe with some different misconceptions about what it's going to be like. So we're just like mixed up people (laughs) and we just need help. But um, I remember the, I think most of my struggles were not revolving around myself so much in the beginning, but were revolving around other people in my family that I was trying to like bring along with me. Yeah. Because I, you know, I had learned enough about the Catholic church to know that what's going on at a, at a local parish doesn't necessarily reflect everything that you read about in the books and, and all of the magisterium and all the things that the beauty and all that. I mean, I understand that I was a pastor for a long time. I know that local churches have a lot of challenges and just because you have the right, the right theology or the right, this or the right, that doesn't mean it's all going to make everybody super awesome, but it was really hard for me when I would bring my wife and my kids with me to mass because they weren't on that journey of discovery. They were just like, okay, what are we doing today? And I'm like, we're going here. And for me, I could walk in and sort of put up with a lot of stuff because I was understanding things and going, okay, well, you know, whatever. But when they walked in without that background, without that, that um, heart journey that they were on, that I was on, they were just reacting to what was happening in that moment right now, walking into a church, not knowing what's going on. And that was really rough because I found myself just kind of like curling up in a ball going, Oh Lord, please don't let that be bad. Please don't (laughs) let that be. And, and you know, what we came from was pretty good in terms of those worldly things the church that I was pastoring before we had, you know, really, really excellent music. We had an amazing facility. We had friendly people. We had dynamic preaching. We had all kinds of programming. We had every, I mean, it was a great church and that's how my kids were brought up. So for me to take them into a Catholic church that didn't have a lot of those things in the same way was, it was just like a paradigm shift that was really difficult. So I found myself going, Oh man, Oh man, you know? Um, so it was hard, you know, they didn't understand what's going on. They didn't like the music. They didn't, they didn't get why there were screaming babies everywhere. And I remember my son said to me, don't the Catholics know about nurseries? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, sometimes the, the canter was like, I don't know. Sounded like a cat that got run over by a lawnmower. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough, rough sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes it was okay, but it was hard because I, I wasn't, you know, how when you bring someone, how you, when you bring someone to something that really has yes, yes, affected yeah. you, you want them to experience it. You know, you go to this restaurant and you love it. You, your friend comes to tell you like, Oh, you got to go eat this at this place with me. Well, what happens if when you bring them there, 
the food's cold, the waiter stinks and the environment is, you know, is messed up. Like you, you feel stupid. And that was kind of tough for me to try to like bring other people along for this because they weren't, they weren't prepared for it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point you make right off at the gate there, Keith. I, I think such a good point because first of all, you and I have had this conversation before, I think about the idea that, you know, you're on a journey becoming Catholic and you've thought these things through, worked these things out, read all these books. Like in my case, I, I binged hours of YouTube lectures and videos and RCA courses online in secret before we had kids kind of up till 3 a.m. in the morning looking at YouTube in, in, in the early days of YouTube. I had learned all this stuff. And then to bring my, my wife to, to mass at a local parish, like you say, I, I'm coming with all these things in mind and I can put up with a lot of, of bad liturgy or kind of really half-hearted things happening there. But for her, right, for people we bring, yeah, it's, it's that they're not where we are. So everything is so much less, less good, right? They're just seeing the parts that are like, oh, this is really lame, right? Especially when you come from a place that's, that's vibrant, that's prayerful, that, you know, that does, you know, we, we were together, my wife and I, for in, in every aspect of ministry at our evangelical church together and everything. We, we did small groups, we did missions ministry, we did the, the married couples ministry. We kind of finished our time there as, uh, helping to co-lead the, the married couples ministry. And we leave, you know, we, or I, I leave that. I, you know, I became Catholic first a year ahead of my wife and I'm bringing her to this, to mass being like, Hey, check this out. And, and we're, we're seeing very bland kind of worship. I mean, I remember, oh, the most, one of the most painful experiences of that was, I think it was leading up to Easter where I was about to be confirmed in the Catholic church. I went to a mass and, the guy doing music wasn't there. I don't know the schedule was scheduling error or or something. So there wasn't any music at like a. It was a ten a.m. like Sunday morning mass, approaching Easter. Supposed to be very kind of like a important time to be in church, like or it could have been just after Easter. Either way, it's an important time, and there was no music. It was like, oh, music is now. Where's the where's the guy? And we just kind of stood there as the priest silently walked, <laughs> processed down the aisle, and then. At all the times there was supposed to be music, there was just there was just nothing. You're bringing someone there to mass with the intention, like, oh, look, this is so amazing. This is heaven touching earth. This is, you know, the, the Last Supper. This is Christ on the altar. This is amazing. So the things that fall flat just fall that much flat on a person who who isn't tracking with you, right? Who you're trying to like bring along, but they're like, wow, this is really terrible. And it may, maybe maybe it seems trite to think of those things, but if you're trying to to show a person the beauty of the mass and the liturgy, like those things really stand out <laughs> when they're not there. Right. Yeah. It's tough because again, if a person doesn't have any frame of reference for what the mass is or what Catholicism is, I mean, that's a shock in and of itself. But yeah. if, 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 if what they're used to is this dynamic, I don't know, like really flashy, exciting, well-executed, performance, production, whatever you want to call it. And then you bring them to a mass that's, that's not done well. Okay. And I don't mean not done well sacramentally. I just mean like, you know, the music isn't there or it isn't good. Or, you know, sometimes you go and the sound system wouldn't work, which that can happen anywhere, but we were having a lot of problems with it in our church in the beginning, or, you know, you'll have like a lector who doesn't, speak very well 
and they're just kind of mumbling. There's just those challenges. And when someone is, is sort of already on the, on the kind of on the wrong side of that, and then you bring them to that, that they can, you can feel like, like very discouraged, but I will say this, you know, our, our particular parish is, is awesome. Our priest was able to just sort of cut through that. Like he really connected with my whole family. Yeah. So that was helpful. And I don't want to be like Mr. Negative here, but I'm just saying like for, for a convert to come in, trying to bring other people to help explain to them why you're doing this, that can be, that can be a tough thing. That can be a challenging thing because for some people, that's the last state stage in their journey is actually going to mass. They've yeah. decided to become, I remember like Steve Ray said, he was like ready to become Catholic and he'd never even been to a Catholic church before. <laughs> And then he finally goes and I want, you know, I don't know what it was like for him exactly, but that can, that can be just that whole culture shock can be very challenging for converts. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was similar to me. I don't think I actually went to mass before I began the RCA program. I hadn't actually been to a mass. I researched mass. I read books on the mass. I'd watched masses on YouTube, uh, but I hadn't been to a Catholic mass. And my first experience of mass was, um, I mentioned this, I think, recently to somebody on, on, on some show somewhere that my first experience of Mass was kind of a little bit sad because the, bless her heart, the sister who was leading RCA for us, I had all these notions of Mass in my mind and, and all these things we do that were that were reverent and meant to really reflect our understanding of Christ in the Eucharist, like the, the, you know, the kneeling and these kind of things, the genuflecting, and I kind of... I had mentioned to her how I'm excited for all these things at Mass like, and how much I loved the, the reverence that, that Catholics gave to Christ in, in the sacrament, uh, on the altar, in the Eucharist. And she kind of went, oh, well, we used to do those things, but that, you know, don't really do those things anymore. We're not really that rigid anymore. And I kind of went, well, we're not? <laughs> like, I, no. I, I want us to be. I wasn't. And of course, I, I learned that this wasn't quite correct, right? This is a bit of a misconception that some Catholics within the church had. Right, even leaders in the church who are leading things. Yeah, that no, we still do. do we still do those things, uh, even if you think we don't. We still should be doing those things. But this particular parish hadn't wasn't really doing those things anymore, and so my first experience of mass was really a letdown in terms of what I knew it to be. Right, but I guess for for me that then led to well, what do I do? What do I do with that? Yeah. Right. And which is a great, great question. You know, our experience was, well, we have to maybe go somewhere else, like, uh, you know, maybe look around and it's not criminal to find a different parish close by to, to check out. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And ended up finding a parish a little ways away that we liked and we, we plugged into. Right. But I can see those converts who who have the idea of mass in their mind and then go to mass and the experience is not exactly what they, what they as advertised right yeah that's the and that's the key it's like all of the things that brought you there are there in terms of the truth and the beauty yeah. and the liturgy and the sacraments and all of that and you're so fired up for that but it's hard to prepare people for what life is like really on the ground and i think you know that's where like my first book came in that was what i wanted to try to communicate to people was okay some of the things you're just going to have to deal with some of the things you just have to understand. And some of the things, yeah, you're going to, are, are going to be better than you're afraid of. Like I, for example, the whole issue with like the screaming kids. Okay. That was something that had to change in me. And it did because the Catholic church isn't going to change how it approaches having kids in mass. 
that's not something that you can go to your priest and go, Hey, look over at the, you know, the Protestant church over here, we have this really cool nursery and the kids love it. And it gives the parents a chance to just listen and pay attention. Like if you tried to do that in my parish, (laughs) they would, they would literally destroy you because they'd be like, no way, because we love having those kids in there. And I remember like, for me, how much of a struggle that was at first, because I'm trying to learn everything. I'm trying to like follow along and pay attention. And my wife is there and we're just like, whatever. And it seemed like our church, which is really big and a lot of hard surfaces, every noise is amplified. And it seemed like every Sunday there were just screaming babies, just wailing and wailing. And we couldn't hear anything. And, and it was frustrating. My wife is looking at me and she's just like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I can't, I'm not getting anything out of this, you know? And it was not like from a, a selfish way, but just like, I can't even like try to understand what's going on here. So we had to like figure out what to do. And we started sitting in the front um, because we just know, and I'm not saying that's a magic thing to do. We just started like kind of positioning ourselves where we could see and hear better. And I remember one day I was, I went up front and I sat there and it was a daily mass. And this young family came in and they literally sat right behind me. That's us. <laughs> and they sat right behind me. And there were these little kids literally like, you know how you're like, the, I don't know for whatever reason, like in the Catholic church, but they build the pews like super close to each other. So like I could, like these kids, little, you know, things going on right behind me. And I'm just like, I, I was like, take it easy. Just calm down. Don't freak out. <laughs> and, and what happened was it was very interesting that I could hear these little kids talking to their parents. And as we were getting ready to have the Eucharist, one of the little kids was like, there's Jesus and there's Jesus. And, um, they were, they were talking about the sacrifice, you know, this is my body broken for. And and the one little kid said, I don't want anybody to hurt Jesus. I don't want anybody to hurt him, mom. And when do I get to meet Jesus? When do I get to receive Jesus? I can't wait till I get to. And I was just like, wow, I'm the worst human being ever. And I am going straight to hell. There's no way. Um, but it was, it was like a switch went off in my brain because here's the thing. This family has like four or five little kids. They're a young family. Okay. They're friends of mine now. Um, and I like during the day, this woman hauled her kids into a, probably a van or whatever, drove them down to the church, did all the things to get everybody ready right in the middle of the day to come into this church and teach these kids about the faith. And these kids are getting it, Keith. They were like, they were so engaged and so fired up the way that little kids are. And they wanted to participate in that. And I was sitting there hearing that going, wow, I got a big problem. I am way more self-centered and focused than I've ever realized. And, and what I realized in that moment was it wasn't just me personally. It was that I had, I had bought into this, this lie, or I don't want to say it's a lie. That's kind of dramatic. I bought into this, to this mindset that church is about going and learning and it's about consuming whatever is happening in the front. And if anything gets in the way of my consumption of that, just like in a movie or at a sporting event or at a concert, like you get offended, but this isn't a movie, a sporting event or a concert. This is the foot of the cross. This is the liturgy. This is Jesus Christ and the last supper and all are welcome. 
All are invited. This promise is for you and your children who are far off. And I realized that just like the Hebrews in the desert who would worship in the in the tent or in the synagogue or in the temple, there was all kinds of people in there. Nobody was like, shh, quiet, we can't hear. It was it was in it was this corporate worship and it included these kids. And I was just like, it was one of those just boom moments for me where after that, I'm like, bring me all of these kids. <laughs> Like, give me the babies, man. Give me the kids. Where are all the parents with the kids? Mm -hmm. So now it's like when I go into the church and there are all these kids everywhere, I'm like looking at the parents. I remember going up to this woman one time. I must be like, you know, us converts are a little bit weird. (laughs) But I went up to this woman one time and I was just like, you are an incredible mother. I've never even talked to her. She's like, what? I'm like, you are so amazing. I'm like, look at what you're doing. You're bringing these kids here. My wife one time, we we were at mass. And there was another, there was a family with little kids sitting up front. And there was this little old lady sitting in front of them who was like super grouchy. You know, she was like super grouchy old lady, had no patience. And she kept turning around and glaring at this young mom with her kids. And my wife is sitting there watching this happen. <laughs> and she's getting angrier and angrier and angrier because she is like, if that woman turns around and looks at that mom with that rude face one more time, I'm going to snap her neck, you know? <laughs> and after, as soon as, as soon as the mass was over, my wife jumps up out of her pew and she beelines for the front. And I almost was like going to stop her and say, don't do anything. Like, what do you, you know, but she went up to this young mom and she just put her hand on her, on her shoulder. And she just said, I want you to know you are doing an amazing job. <laughs> and that mom looked at her and she had been horrified. Cause she knew what was going on. She was horrified, but Estelle was like, that's an inspiration. You are an amazing mom. Thank you for what you're doing here. And and she just looked at her and she, you could just tell that she just like needed to hear that. She's like, thank you. Because here's the deal, man. Some of the issues that converts have with Catholicism aren't about that. There's anything wrong with Catholicism, you know, or even the things in our parish, right? It's this, that we're just coming from a different place and we have to deal with that. So what I like to tell people is this, Whatever the worst case scenario you think is going to happen when you become Catholic, imagine that happening, but do it anyway. But then walk into it with an open mind and let the Lord teach you what he wants to teach you through it. And then you will grow in ways you never thought possible. It can happen and it will happen, but you have to humble yourself and get over all of the things that you're used to thinking before you became Catholic, which was probably something like, Hey, this church is awesome because it gives me things I like. The Catholic Church doesn't give a fly and rip what you like. <laughs> they don't care. Nobody's sitting in a meeting in a Catholic parish sitting around going, "Hey, what do you think we can do with our backdrop to make it more culturally relevant?" No one's sitting down with the worship pastor going, "Hey, do you think we could come up with some songs that are like, you know, go along with the latest Marvel movie that just came out, you know?" Nobody's doing that. But that's what we're used to. At least us, at least us former evangelicals, right? That's yeah. where we're, we were, we were in that mindset where it was all about us and it was all about bringing new people in. And the way that we do that is we cater to their senses and we cater to their, their sense of self, but nobody does that in the Catholic church. And, and at first that feels awkward because it's so foreign to us. But what we learn is that that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that has been a blessing to me ultimately but we have to learn the why behind the what. And then we have to, in our own hearts, come to grips with 
the wrong ways that we've approached things. And when we do, it's almost like everything just like, and it clicks. Now that doesn't mean that it's okay to have crappy music in the Catholic church or homilies that have nothing to do with anything or mean grouchy people that don't welcome visitors. None of those things are okay. Okay. We need to do the best we can as Catholic. We should be doing better than ever than, than, than the best we can because we've got the true faith. So we need to, we need to be, welcoming and accommodating and loving and we need to do things with excellence but not because we're trying to like compete with the world but because jesus deserves our best the end sorry for my sermon there Keith. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good that's a good word brother as we say that's a good word that's fantastic and you're right, and the, the, I think that's the hugest distinction for me in between the Catholic Church and my previous evangelical faith, right, is this one thing is is immovable. The Catholic Church as it is, right? It's not going to change for you or your taste or what you like. It just, it is, it's there. The liturgy is a liturgy v- versus a, a world that was shifting and changing based on, on, on currents and culture, right? There's... There's stability in the evangelical church in that you know we believe in the Bible and and, and Jesus, but the, even even the interpretations of what that means to follow Jesus and and believe in the Bible, even those things shift and change, right? Never mind down to the the music or the latest fad or crafting your your sermon around like the latest Marvel releases, right? And these kinds of things that was so shifty, and you know and and you could I guess this is different too, Keith. You could go somewhere else if you didn't like it, right? You could go down to the church down the street if the church that you're going to you didn't like anymore as even juggle. You could you could just change churches. Well, the Catholic Church just is, right? And you can you can move parishes if you want to, and, and if there's you know some for some reason you're not going to find uh, you're not going to find a parish that's more targeted to you like this catering to you right that you would find in the evangelical world it just is what it believes what it says it is you know the, the doctrines the liturgy those things are, are static like those things aren't going to change for your tastes right well, you, think, you, you just accept it and 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 join that not not try and yeah you know i think some i think there are some that try to to be honest with you yeah, no, I, I, think, think I think you're right yeah. i think there are some i mean i've been to some catholic churches that are trying real hard to look like protestant churches and i mean and some of those things are actually not bad right yes. like i yes. like going to churches that have greeters yeah you know i like going to churches that have friendly smiling people at the doors welcoming you and i i like that kind of thing um i like when there is care given to the environment of, of how people like, for example, one of the more modern churches in my town, um, you know, the music is not my taste, but it's on, right? Like when it's time for them to start, they start. You can hear everything clearly. The sound is good. When the person gets up to speak, they're well lit. You can see them, you know, it's amazing to me. I speak in a lot of Catholic churches and it's funny because, you know, um, I do a lot of stuff on social media and YouTube as, as well. And I, people are always like, Hey Keith, we're going to record your talk so we can put it on YouTube. And I'm like, don't even bother. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because you will not have any decent lighting in your Catholic church and you will have a crappy sound system. I promise you because people don't think like that. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's okay from that standpoint. But when, when the priest stands in the pulpit to give a homily, you want to be able to see him, Right. Hopefully. Um, and sometimes people, sometimes people that are, that are, focusing on those things, get that right better than churches that are just like, no, we don't care about that. 
Yeah. No, you're but right. when it but when it comes to like the liturgy and the faith, yeah, you don't have to worry about well, or at least you shouldn't have to worry about what am I going to hear? What's going to happen now? You know, we know we all know the world we're living in, and we all know that there are there's a lot of talk about liturgical abuses and whatnot. But even in my brief experience, you know, I've been Catholic for a little over five years now, but I do travel a lot. It's pretty rare that I walk into a Catholic church and I feel like some kind of offense at how much abuse I'm seeing. That's pretty rare. I, I do see somewhere I'm just like, oh man, why didn't they do that better? But abuse is a little bit different. And I think that we could learn from, from others as far as how to do things better sometimes, make things a little more meaningful. Um, I'll give you a great example. So I attend the TLM at our parish and our priest, he hasn't been doing this for a while. I wonder what happened, but he, he was for, for about a year before the mass would start, he'd come up to the front and he would just share one little nugget of truth about the Latin mass. Like, Hey, just so you know, here's what this prayer means, or this is why we're wearing this color of vestment today, or this is why this is on this side, or that's on that side. And just so you just, and it was just a teaching moment about something related to the faith. And I was like, loving that. <laughs> like, to me, I'm like more of this, please. But I think we should have that everywhere. Right. Um, so I, I think, I think those are the things that, that we can do. And to me, it all boils down to this, Keith, what would, what do we need to do to make, to make those things better in the Catholic church? We just need to be more Catholic. We just need to double down on the things that we do, be clear about them, do them the best we can and do them unapologetically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was the conclusion of my article way back when. Was I, it begins with me becoming a better Catholic, me singing as best I can in the context given to me, right? Me, me going to those things in the parish that start that, that you know, they're, they're trialing, trialing a Bible study or a small group. I, you know, well, if I like that kind of thing, I should go to that thing and encourage them to do these more, you know, do more of these kind of things. If they're trying to do things to reach kids more or or launch a little youth ministry, and I love that, I, I should go and try and help with that thing to encourage. You know, it begins a lot of those things I found as a convert, right? They're they're not going to be there necessarily when you when you get there, but those good things that are going to encourage people to love Jesus more, love the mass more, be more Catholic. If those things begin to start, you can you can well you could start them, I guess, is one option, or you could get involved when those things start. Right. Totally. I, totally. You know, and, and we, we did this when I, when I, um, a few years ago, I got invited to speak at this like young adult thing. And I had been sort of like, man, you know, we don't really have, cause we used to have small groups in my house. We used to teach like young adult Bible studies and things like that. And, um, I was kind of lamenting the fact that, that I didn't see that happening, you know? And so I got, I got invited to speak at this young adult thing. And this, this young woman come up to me after I got done and she just goes, I need to learn the Bible um, and I want you to teach me. And I said, okay, uh, what about doing a Bible study? Would you be up for that? She said, that would be great. And I said, I'll tell you what, um, I will lead an eight week verse by verse Bible study through the book of Acts at my house. You need to get people to come though. Cause I don't know any of these people I'm new here. And she was like, seriously, you'll do that. And I'm like, yeah. So a few weeks later, we started it and we had, it was just like my old days, dude, of running youth <laughs> ministry and having young adult stuff. We had, you know, 15, 20, 20 somethings come over to the house and we had a Bible study 
we opened, I mean, we looked very evangelical. We sat in the living room. We opened up our Bibles and we talked about Jesus and we talked about the Bible and it was awesome. And it just hit me. It's like, well, why can't we do stuff like that? And yeah. the, the answer is we can't, <laughs> you know? So if, if you're a convert and you go into a Catholic church, you, you join the Catholic church and you're just like, man, why don't they have X, Y, Z? Well, if the answer is because nobody thought of it, then you think of it yeah. and do it. Don't just go tell your priest he needs to do it. Don't be that guy. Oh, hey, you know what we ought to do, Father. Don't do Just be like, hey, Father, would it be okay if yeah. dot, 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 not why don't you, you know, whatever. Yeah, because a lot of those things, those things aren't thought of in many Catholic parishes, right? Those those aren't, those, for whatever reason, historically, those those things haven't been done in Catholic parishes, right? So, so coming in as a convert, these things, this kind of back history, this knowledge that you have that you're bringing from your previous uh, faith background, it, it's okay to say, hey, you know what? Why would I want to do this here? Maybe we can, can we try this? Like, because those things sometimes just aren't thought of. It hasn't happened there before. No one, no one's really launched that. Right? Maybe a novel idea, but not to try and recreate your evangelical, you know, church in the Catholic Church, but. They're good things that that happen to evangelical churches that you can bring to this new context. It just hasn't happened before. It hasn't been thought of before. And yeah, you can be the one to, to, to think of that, right? Or when you see it, to cheer it on, right? I Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There, there you mentioned like, you know, something as simple as, as greeters, right? People welcoming people into the into the into the church, you know, a sound system that you can hear. I think for me, the, the, the homily is a whole other thing to talk about, and we should dig into that too, maybe. But hearing people at mass, I mean, the, I think the, the the hardest thing for bringing someone to mass, I can think of times our families come for baptisms and things, and you can't hear anybody because the sound system is is too quiet or it's squeaking or squealing or it's or they don't know how to talk and do a yeah. they don't know how to talk publicly. Yeah, like, right. What should be the requirement to be a lector? <laughs> you should be comfortable and able to speak and read just like to be a cantor. You should be able to sing relatively close to pitch and rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, it's the same thing. Like (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever go to a restaurant and, you know, be okay with the chef who couldn't cook, you know? So it's like, we have to, we have, but it seems like sometimes in church, we just take whoever shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you got that person who's just like, no, this is just what I do. This is what I do. Like, okay. And I know, and I know that's hard. You know, I know that's hard if you, especially for priests who are moving around, you show up in a church and you know, somebody's been doing that for years, even though they're not very good at it, but you just like, am I going to tell this person to sit down? You know, it's, it's hard. I yeah. get all that. Yeah, it is. I, I was in a church where the band was being replaced slowly. It was a, Ooh. it was a, you know, the, cause this again, too, the music is a whole, a whole other thing, right? There's this, this kind of folk music kind of crept into the mass following Vatican II, right? And some of these, these uh, modernizations, right? Uh, that that happened following like the Vatican II in the late sixties that weren't intended to change the mass the way they did, but things like folk music kind of just kind of crept in there, right? And so we're singing sometimes, depending on the parish. We've been singing things. My wife goes, "Oh, this was a." Song when we were kids in the in the Baptist church we used to sing that we're singing now in the Catholic church you know like thirty hey, years a new song thirty called, years later yeah you know, a brand new song. pass it on yeah yeah it's amazing it's you know it's amazing I was part of a a church that was trying to replace this folk guitar band that had been there for. 
forever and really couldn't play. Like literally we're playing off key and singing off key and weren't, weren't harmonizing properly. Yeah, it painful, wasn't, man. it wasn't good. Right. But we're trying to replace that and it, it can get messy and awkward as a, as a person in the pew, we just dealt with that. We just sang along with this, this band that wasn't, wasn't that great, but it is always hard to bring in someone to your church for a baptism or for, you know, for a confirmation or something and a uh, family who are not, not Catholic, right? And go, okay, here's, here's church. And they kind of go, well, I can't really, I can't, I can't hear the lector because they're kind of mumbling into the microphone and the, you guys are singing and it's like, Oh, what's going on? Right. And I, I guess there's, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh and too mean, but there, there's a level of effort to, to put into some of these roles in the mass, right. That I think should be put in at a, at a bare minimum, a certain commitment to it, not just phoning it in. Right, but at yeah. the same time, you, you maybe you have no volunteers who are willing to do this in, in your parish. You kind of that's the tough thing, man. Like you, get, what, right? you know, I feel like, and, and here's the thing: this isn't just a Catholic thing, too. I mean, I was a yeah. Methodist for yeah, crying yeah, out loud, yeah. and I've been to a lot of Methodist worship services where I was like, you know, ready to crawl into a hole after that. Um, I mean, any, every denomination has that, and then you know you have the Catholic Church. But I think what's different about the Catholic Church is there's you know this is one of the challenges is when you're coming into the Catholic church, you don't believe that there should be that much variation. Yeah. yeah. You, you feel like, okay, the liturgy is the same. The readings are the same. The theology is the same. It's all supposed to be the same. And to me, one of the challenges was that it wasn't the same. And that's still a challenge for me sometimes because that's one of my favorite things about Catholicism is that it's not supposed to be the or that it's supposed to be the same. Like I want to know wherever I go in the world to a Catholic church, yeah. I know what's going to happen. I know what to expect. I know that what I'm experiencing there is the same thing that Christians all over the world are experiencing. Like I love that part of it. And when, you know, when it's not, it's just sort of like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, you know, but that's just something that we have to just deal with. I mean, for the most part, it is the same. You know, you could at least say, well, I mean, the same framework anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and at its core, look, the bad music, bad, bad reading, even the bad homily, like it's still mass, right? That's the thing exactly. that I think keeps us going as converts, right? <laughs> is it's still mass. It's still all that it says that it is, even if it doesn't look that way sometimes because things aren't done to the highest degree they, they, they could be done in the most beauty and reverence possible, right? It's still mass, and that's still that still drives you deeper, right? Like well, I'll you, tell you what, man. The truth is, and I've said this before, but I would take my my worst experience at mass over my best yeah, experience yeah, yeah. at a at a non Catholic worship service any day of the week. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how good the preaching is, and I and I still appreciate all that stuff. But you know, you can give me. You know, probably my favorite preacher, Protestant preacher, is probably like Louis Giglio or something like that. You can give me Louis Giglio and David Crowder. I love those guys, right? I go to church in Atlanta, Passion City Church or whatever. <laughs> you can give me that at its best, or you can give me like the most lame suburban felt banner folk music Catholic mass with the priest that barely speaks English in a sound system that I can't hear in the dark with just grouchy people around me. I'm taking that <laughs> because Jesus Christ is there and I'm part of his church, right? I'm there. I'm there at the foot of the cross. I, st I still can appreciate the other stuff. I can go, yeah, that's really good. I like that, whatever, you know. But worship is about sacrifice, you know, and that sacrificial 
um, element of it that, that I, that we didn't have as Protestants that we now have in the Eucharist, like nothing can top that brother. So I know someone's listening to us probably like, man, these guys are a bunch of grouches, man. They're a bunch of whiners. You know, it's not about that. It's about, it's about recognizing that even in the midst of those challenging things and helping people to understand that you're going to have those challenges. Hey, no matter what happens, you are in the church and that's what matters. Yeah. For all the pitfalls, things you encounter, right? That's that truth remains. And that truth is, is incredible. And that truth keeps you going. I want to talk a bit about the homily because this, like you mentioned before earlier, the idea that you were going to church as an evangelical, sometimes as a, as a pastor to teach, but you know, when you're in the pew yeah. to be taught, right? That was kind of the thing of, of going to church on a Sunday. We had a section of the service called worship where we're singing worship songs, but then we sit down and we're there to be taught. We're there to learn something from the Bible, to unpack yeah. something, right? And then the, the difference between, and it's a big difference, right? It's kind of a stark contrast between that and the mass is well yeah there's part of the mass where there's there's teaching like the homilies intended to kind of unpack the readings of the mass to kind of illuminate those a little bit but that's in in no way not anywhere near the center of what the mass is right i can i can think of an early time going to we were staying at my my in-laws place and I went to I was the, the only Catholic at the time. So I got up and went to mass and then came back and we all went together to the Baptist church afterwards and somebody asked me, "Oh, how was mass? How was the sermon?" Cuz that was what you that was what you meant, right? When you ask yeah. like how was how was church, you're often asking like how was the how was the teaching? What did you learn? Did you learn? Like, right? That was often what the question meant. And so that was the question and I kind of went, "Oh, that's like the wrong question to ask about mass. You would never ask somebody, you know, a Catholic wouldn't ask another Catholic, oh, how was, how was the homily at mass, right? That's just like... What did you learn today? <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense because that's not what the center of the mass is. Or that was the center of the, that was the center, arguably, of a Protestant worship service on a Sunday, right? Was the, was the sermon. Not, and that's a big reorientation of your mind to get around, I think, for the, the convert, right? To realize that, okay, that homily isn't, isn't the center of this thing. Might be, it might be good. It, 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 and oftentimes it's not going to be good <laughs> in my experience, but that's not the center anymore. It's a reorientation, right? Well, yeah. And it's kind of like this. Okay. If you go to a seafood restaurant, okay. And you order a cheeseburger, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get a cheeseburger. Okay. But you're not, that's not what they do. That's not like what they're there for. Right. That's not their special. That's not what, you know, they don't have cows swimming around in the aquariums. <laughs> They've got lobster in there. Right. But if you go to a steakhouse and you get a, you know, cheeseburger or whatever, like then you're like, okay, this is what they do. When you're in the Protestant world, oftentimes they're serving one thing, then, and, but in the Catholic church, it's designed for something completely different. It doesn't make either of those things right or wrong. I mean, there are, there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but you just, it's that paradigm shift and understanding that, oh, I'm not here to learn something or to be entertained or to be inspired or what, like in that kind of like, like cultural way, I'm here to worship the living God and to participate in this liturgy and to receive Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's what I'm here for. 
and I'm going to hear the word of God. But you know what I love about the the readings, you know, is that the way that they're understood to be, and this is, you know, again, in the Latin mass, it's, it's even more of a apparent, is the readings themselves are offered to God as worship. You know, they're not like intended for the people. I mean, it's important that we hear them, but we're not the primary audience of anything except for the homily. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I love a good homily. I'm all about that kind of stuff. But what I've learned is that since I've been Catholic, like when I was Protestant, that's all I cared about was like, all right, what's this guy going to say? You know, it better be good. And I'd be very, you know, like, okay, this, 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 you know, whatever. In the Catholic church, I, I, all I want to hear is I want the priest to unpack those readings a little bit. I don't care if he tells a funny joke. I don't (laughs) care if I hear about his childhood. I don't care if it connects to anything. I don't care if there's like three points. I don't care if there's a hook, if there's any kind of like emotional pull to it. I just want to hear him talk about what these readings mean and why we have them that day. And that's all I need, man. It's all I need because I'm, because I'm recognizing that it's, it's, that's, that's what we're there for is the sacrament. And yet these readings help us go into that, but it's not just for that. You know, I was watching this video of like, um, some stuff and it had like John MacArthur on it, you know, the Protestant guy. And he was standing in his church at this ginormous pulpit right in the middle of the stage with these lights and this big thing behind it. And it's like very clearly he is the center of everything going on in that church. I mean, he's John MacArthur for crying out loud, you know, he's basically the Protestant Pope and you know, he's just boom right there, man. Everyone listen to me. Look at me. I'm the man. And I think I love how, you know, I mean, I, and I, I'm okay if a priest gets a walk, walks around, kind of does all that, you know what, that's fine. But I like it when my priest stands behind the pulpit and just preaches the word of God and, and, and hits us with the readings and just punches us in the face with them and sits down, you know, but I didn't used to be like that. It's so weird how, when you recognize how this all comes together and what this is all about, how amazing it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to, when, so the distinction that I love in some, some Catholic churches is they'll have, They'll have, and I, and I, there's an ambo versus a pulpit versus a lectern. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I should know these liturgical things, but I forget these sometimes. But there is a certain place where the gospel is read from, right? A different place where oh, announcements yeah, like are right read next from, to each other, right? Yeah, and I, and I love the distinction sometimes where you see, right, the the place where the priest is reading the gospel from, or the deacon reading the gospel from, isn't the same place where a guy comes and makes announcements from, right? Right. I love that. That there's a differentiation there. Amen, brother. Right. Yeah. So you can, you you set you it's set apart, right? It's it's different. I think the distinction is is beautiful to see. It is a different a different world though, right? And I, and I love that. And I've I, I've been back to tons of times different evangelical contexts, right? It's always striking to see that that pulpit in the middle of like in and the you middle never of the stage, would have even right? thought twice about it before, no, but now when you walk have. in, it's like almost offensive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you go like, whoa, what's that's so strange? I remember. Like my evangelical church, before we left, we moved into a Lutheran church, an old Lutheran church. And one of the things for me 
looking more deeply at my, my Catholic leanings at that time, was being in a space that was made for worship, this Lutheran church. They had a lot of things that a Catholic church would have. They had an altar. They had like a sanctus candle that was always glowing, right? To show we that had Christ, that in the Methodist church. Christ was here, right? And nobody knew what it was for. Yeah. See? <laughs> Why do we have that? So those things as evangelical kind of, because we, we were in a, in a community center before, in a, in a multipurpose room next to a hockey rink, right? So moving into a liturgical space kind of got me thinking about these things and really interests me, right? But it always struck me as strange that, that so we met before the Lutherans met. We met at, at 9 a.m. and they met at 11 a.m. And so for our service, you know, our pastor would put his little pulpit in front of the altar, on you know, kind of on the on the on the stage area. I don't know if we had we had a name for it at that at that time, and I thought that was a bit weird, right? That it was in front of that, and now that really strikes me as as super strange to see an evangelical church where that pulpit is right front and center. Right? That's that's a a strange signal versus the the Catholic church where I know the altar is center and everything else is off off to the sides, right? Where, yeah, where, where yeah. It should it's be. weird how you think of it, like when when you go back. For whatever reason, and I do every once in a while, you know, my kids are involved in churches and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll go and support them or whatever here and there. And it's just, it's weird how, I don't know, man, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> but it's, I guess that's a good thing, right? I mean, it's weird. Like I'm, maybe other people are different. I don't know. Maybe you're different, but I don't think you are. But like, I never, I never walked into a Protestant church after I became Catholic, even a really good one and thought, oh man, I wish I was back here. Yeah. Yeah. I miss this. Yeah. You know, people ask me, do you, do you, do you miss being a pastor? Do you miss church, you know, contemporary worship? You know I mean? Come on, Keith, be real with me. You go to the fuddy duddy old Catholic church, you know, <laughs> don't you just want to rock out like you used to, you know? And it's weird because I don't, I don't miss it. I'm so in love with my Catholic faith, man. Yeah. And I, and I'm so like, like every day we'd go home from mass. I, I, either say it or I think it to my wife. I'm just like, man, I love being Catholic. It's so amazing. <laughs> like that was awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I hear you. And I think there's things you can, you can miss in a sense. Like we, as we are bringing up our kids Catholic in this, in this context, we kind of things are like, Oh, that's kind of lame. Like, you know, Oh, this, this program for Catholic kids to teach them about the sacraments. That's, that's kind of lame. Oh, hundred percent. You know, this, this, I'm not talking this about the, the programming. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. the mass. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are things that you go, Oh, well this church that we had before had awesome stuff for kids to, to train them in the faith and raise yeah. them in the faith. And, and we're kind of, that's kind of lame over here, but I think you find things. It, it, it and I think these things, it's, it's, I mean, the more I learn about, and, and be Catholic, the more you realize that some of these things were previously just passed on in, in families or in small groups of families or, you know, and, and we're, we're moving into a, a more programming space sometimes as, as a Catholic church. They're, they're, they're developing programs for kids and stuff that, that are similar to Protestant programs, but that's not the be all and end all for one thing. I don't, I don't think, but also it, it's a reorientation, right? You might miss those, those programs, but realize as, as we are, well, there are other ways of doing these things. There are meeting families and journeying together versus putting your kid into a program once a week that just, that just whisks them away and teaches them parts of the faith. Just live that with other families that you meet and surround yourself with, right? There, It looks different sometimes yeah, in the Catholic yeah. church, right? And and that's good, I think, right? The, the, the more I... Think about those programs we had, those the video series and the the programmed Bible studies and these different kind of outreach things. The more I think, you know what? I don't know if those were really building lasting connections or lasting 
deepening faith sometimes. I think maybe just journeying with people. And not that we have that right in the Catholic Church sometimes, because the idea of community after Mass or within a parish isn't always done very well either. But I think that's the kind of thing we have to be invigorating versus sometimes those programs that you might miss sometimes, but then kind of go, I don't know if those were... Well, I don't think there's the same kind of emphasis in the Catholic Church of we are going to program your entire life for you. Right. You know, I think in a lot of evangelical churches, there's a sense of, okay, we have to offer something for every right. aspect of your life, regardless of whether you're here. I mean, I remember we used to have as a goal at our church was worship plus two. Okay. Yeah, That's what we yeah, used to call yeah. it, I think, or worship plus one or worship plus two. I can't remember. But it was basically this. We wanted everybody to come to worship. Um, but then we also wanted them to be at church at least one or two other nights a week. And it wasn't, and it was, it doesn't, didn't matter what it was for. It was like, okay, you're going to serve in a program to do this, or you're going to be just something. Why? Because we just felt like that's what you had to do. You had to like, you know, coordinate. So, so if like a parent would come in and go, you know, my kid really wants to learn how to play racquetball. Well, I guess we got to start a racquetball ministry now, you know, or my kid really wants to go skiing. Well, I guess I got to take him on a ski trip. I remember when I was a youth, pa- that stuff used to drive me crazy. I had kids come up. Well, we, we, we want to go skiing. I'm like, well, go skiing, <laughs> do it. Why do I have to be in charge of every aspect of your life? You know, well, because you're the youth pastor. So what, you know, I'm here to teach you about Jesus. I'm not here to like, control every aspect of your social life. But I think that sometimes we put this pressure on ourselves and the Catholic church doesn't seem to care about that. (laughs) The Catholic church is just like, you want to play softball, go join the softball league at the YMCA or something like that. We don't care. I'm not saying there's no Catholic softball, but I think you get my point. Yeah. Like the the focus is the center of our Catholic worshiping experience is the sacraments. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in, in a lot of non-Catholic situations there, we don't really know what the center is. Yeah. I think I feel like the center is just whatever brings us all here, you know, and we want everybody together. We want to be we want to be connected to people for whatever reason. So there's all this programming. Now, now I do know of some amazing programs that Catholic churches have. I mean, I know some awesome youth ministries and some children. I mean, so it is a thing. I'm not saying it's not a thing, but those those aren't central to your functioning as a Catholic. Right. Whereas that seems to be the other way around. And that's a hard, again, when you come into the church, all of my convert brothers and sisters, you have to like change your thinking about that. You know, if you want to learn more about the Bible, then you have to learn more than, then take it upon yourself to learn more about the Bible, figure it out, read some books, you know, now maybe there'll be a Bible study at your church. Our parish has a Bible study through Philippians right now. I heard they had like 40 some people the other night. That's awesome. Yeah, we just did a three three week um, study here at my house um, for for guys. We just wrapped it up last week. It was great. You know, we have stuff. We have all kinds of different things, but most of those things aren't because like somebody in a church committee decided to yeah. plan them. It was yeah. just because people in the yeah. church said, "Hey, we want to do this." Yeah, and then they just did it. And it's not the center of things, right? It's not the. It's yeah. not the. Yeah, yeah. It's different perspective, right? Again, you just do yeah. life. You know, yeah. it's it's you just live. That's your family, right? Yeah. And and I don't know. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think the one thing too that I think the new convert might encounter is just bad liturgy, right? You go all over the country and you've seen some of this. I, 
And it's the worst when you when you encounter it as a new convert, and it, it I mean it, it it shakes you a bit, right? I can think of the my first experience at the church in my parents' hometown. I was visiting again, the only Catholic there. I went off to mass myself and came back home. We all went to the evangelical church afterwards as a family. But I I, I go there. And it's just the it's some of the worst liturgy ever, right? And oftentimes it's just it's just the priest improvising. Right, what they what they think is kind of making it more hip and more meaningful and more relatable to people in the in the pew, when really what it's doing is is discombobulating those who know what they're there for and know the liturgy and expect a certain thing and then they get something else and or they get a downplay of of the the, the sacred. Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna sing this or say this because this is too serious. Let's do this instead, right? Let's let's kind of. Uh, <laughs> not wiggle was what I'm thinking of kind of do ring around the rosy around the around the altar with the, all the kids of the congregation instead of doing a proper kind of you know Eucharistic prayer or something right these oh kind I've of, never seen anything like that kind of, before I'd probably these kind, of, kind, of, kind of wild things but that as a convert <laughs> are going to shake you right like as a person who's just new in the Catholic faith who who's probably studied liturgy, who knows what they're expecting, what they're going into, who's seen some good masses, who's traveling and visiting a different church and just sees this spectacle and goes, what? Like, that's that's disappointing. Like, that really kind of breaks your heart to see as somebody who's just new and loves the faith. But not a reason to to lose hope. Like, that, that's, that might happen, but the core of the mass is what it is despite sometimes seeing wacky things happening with it, right? For sure, for sure. Right? And I think, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think that, well, I don't hate to say it, but there's good intentions behind, I think, those things sometimes, right? I mean, I think the, the priests who are doing those kind of wacky things often come at it from a good place of trying to make that more more accessible to people who are out there, who are looking, who are trying to be part of that. I think it falls flat, but... The, the intent is never going to be, I don't think, to destroy the Mass, if you're a pre-celebrating well, Mass. <laughs> whenever you try to take the Gospel or anything related to it and make it easy or clever or, you know, relevant to the culture, when I say that, I mean, like, dumb it down to the level of the culture. It's always relevant. But whenever you do that, it never goes well. <laughs> And the mass is the same, right? It's not. It's not going to uh, to be any more beautiful or accessible by by dumbing it down or it adding need to be cute, or add, clever or funny. It absolutely. just needs to be reverent and and done well. Yeah, yeah. And again, the the most awkward experience of that is trying to bring someone that you know to mass and yeah. say, "Hey, look what I found. Let's go to mass." And and it just it it's not gonna. It's 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 terrible, right? And you, you know what's awesome though, Keith is is. I still talk to people who, despite everything that we've said, and again, yeah. I, I apologize if it yeah. sounds like we're just a bunch of whiners here, you know. <laughs> um, I talk to people who are on fire for Jesus, evangelicals, who stumbled into a Catholic mass, oftentimes at the weirdest time of all, yeah, like yeah. on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever. For whatever reason, they went there. And they were blown away and became Catholic. Yeah. I have a I have some people in my life I've talked to recently that that's their experience. And they are and they've gone through all the stuff. They've become Catholic and they are so on fire for the faith. And it all started. It didn't start because they heard a Scott Hahn talk or, you know, read some amazing book. It started because they wandered into a suburban parish, probably with crappy music, and 
Jesus Christ was there and they encountered him and they didn't understand what just happened to them. (laughs) Because what we have to remember at the end of the day is this isn't about our ability to do anything. It's about who God is and the fact that God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's not just about heresy and wars. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means that no matter what we do to try to mess it up, we will fail. And even if we're not trying to mess it up, just by the virtue that we are going to mess it up, it doesn't matter. God will still prevail. And there's still power and beauty and reverence and holiness there because Jesus Christ is there. And that grace is there like it is no other place. And people can walk in completely by accident and just have their whole entire world changed. And that happens. And that's amazing. <laughs> in spite of all the pitfalls and problems that new converts might encounter, uh, yes. things that aren't, you know, that, that, that confuse them and shake them up and disappoint them and, and, and break their heart and are awkward and uncomfortable, right? The, the core of the mass, the core of the, the, the church is Christ there, Christ there on the altar, Christ there in the, in the, as the, the head of the church, I mean, steering this whole thing, right? Leading this whole thing, guiding this whole thing. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, this is it, man. <laughs> Amen, brother. Where else Where else can we go? Amen. I love that. Where else can we go? That's awesome. Keith, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope, again, we didn't sound too grumpy. and uh, <laughs> grumpy Keith. Yeah. We did talk, though, a while back, though, of doing this part two. We had problems with Protestant Christianity. We had to, of course, be fair and do some problems for, for new converts entering the Catholic Church, too. I mean, it's not always going to be this rosy. We have to be realistic about what we're going to encounter and problems that we've both experienced and that's my experience. So uh, it's it's being honest, and I think it's important to prepare yourself to realize what you're what you might encounter, and not be too shook by that. Right? Amen. Your, your book uh, that uh, I have long, for, for many years now, recommended to, to new converts and given to my RCA class. In fact, that's how oh, much dude, I, I love that. That's how much I uh, I recommend. I, I I gave it to them all. Bought those copies myself. Was never actually never reimbursed by the parish, uh, Keith. So it what? came out of my own. Yeah, oh, yeah. Geez. That's what happens, man. So I bought I bought like twelve copies of your book. That's got to be time so. off in purgatory yeah. or something. Yeah, I think so. We'll we'll see. We'll, I'll let you know when I when I get there. Uh, <laughs> fantastic book, though. Uh, your other your your newer book is is even even better. Stuff you do is awesome. Where can they go if they have been living under a rock and don't know where to find you? Uh, where do you want to point them towards? So my website is down to earth ministry.org. So that's down the number two earth ministry.org. Everything is there. But if you're just like, if you don't have time or if you forget all that, just search me on YouTube. I have a pretty active YouTube channel. I have two YouTube channels actually. Um, And uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Neither are the Rosary Army. <laughs> so yeah. So one is just Keith Nestor. And then the other one is called oh. Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor. We do a live, we do a live stream Rosary every single day. We've done it for over a thousand days now. We had our 1000th day uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's just an, inc- it's an, it's an amazing prayer group. We've got people from all over the world that pray every day. And these people are amazing. And, um, we're there on uh, every single day, 5 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday, and then the weekends we do it earlier. But when we're traveling, which we're getting ready to do again, then it's just sort of like, hey, we do it when we can. 
It's, it, we'll do it every day. It just depends on when. Sometimes it'll be early in the morning. Sometimes it'll be late at night. I'll be doing it Sunday from the Dallas-Fort Worth airport on a layover <laughs> on the way to Mexico City to see the Tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Listen, I got to say God bless you and the amazing work you're doing for the church. Uh, it's, it's awesome to follow you and to listen to you and to watch you to be friends with uh, a couple of Keats now. I'll always appreciate more Keats in my life. So uh, thanks, brother. Thanks for being here. And uh, God bless. Thank you for having me. Always fun to have my friend Keith Nestor on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed that show. If you didn't... (laughs) Let me know. CordialCatholic at gmail.com is my email address for your feedback. Please send it in. Let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys and get back to those emails as soon as humanly possible. That's CordialCatholic at gmail.com and that's in the show notes for this show. The CordialCatholic.com is our website for extended show notes and for my blog and things that we are up to. Check us out there. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at CordialCatholic. The CordialCatholic at Facebook. And if you want to watch what you're hearing here, uh, YouTube.com slash The CordialCatholic to watch what you are listening to. If you could uh, leave a rating and review for this show on Spotify or an Apple Podcast, that would be incredible. That helps to push the podcast out to new people. And please do follow this show wherever you find it. Uh, tell your friends, leave some reviews, post it around social media. That really helps to grow the thing, and that really is the purpose of this podcast, really to, to, to unpack the, the Catholic Church from the heart of the Catholic Church to help those who are looking into the Catholic Church to figure these kind of things out, what we're doing over here as Catholics. So please consider doing those. If you feel led to support the show financially, those links are also in the show notes, patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or paypal.me slash cordialcatholic for a one-time donation. Thanks to those who are already faithfully supporting the show. You guys are amazing and helping this thing to keep on going. It's not my full-time job, so your support really fully underpins this thing and makes it possible to begin with. So thank you, friends. Please pray for me. Know that I'm praying for you too. Talk to you again next week. Take care and God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordial A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.